You're listening to the Central Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Adam Burton, and on this week's podcast, we are in our series in the Gospel of John, so that you may believe. This message is from John chapter 5, verses 19 through 29, and is titled, Who Do You Think You Are? We see Jesus explain to the religious leaders that He is the Son of God. We would love for you to join us for Church Online each Sunday morning at 1045. You can watch at cbcmaysville.com and on our Facebook page. Also, if you are local, we would love for you to join us in person at 1045 every Sunday morning. We are located right on the banks of the Ohio River in the east end of Maysville, Kentucky at 437 Central Avenue. And if we can pray for you, reach out to us on our website at cbcmaysville.com or on our prayer hotline at 305-707-PRAY. That's 305-707-7729. I hope you enjoy this message. If you have a Bible, go and turn with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. One of my favorite cities in all of the world is Washington, D.C. I love it because uh, there is so much history in this town, so much pageantry that goes on. I mean, the the very way the the city is laid out and, and the architecture is designed to make you gaze in awe. You know, I love our country, the United States of America. You know, for many of us, when we look at this flag over here, the, the stars and the stripes, we, 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 we look at it and we, we see it with great respect. I get goosebumps every time I hear the national anthem played. There may be no more awe-inspiring place than at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier at Arlington National Cemetery. I mean, to, to see the, the guards that are there, the precision with which they operate down to the uniform and to how they, they step with foot after foot after foot in turn and make all of the sounds and everything, it is, it's amazing. And you can't visit Arlington and not feel the reverence and the awe and respect of what it stands for. I had a student uh, several years ago tell me that he was on, on a trip, a uh, school trip uh, in middle school to go to Washington, D.C. And part of their tour that they took was to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier there at, at Arlington. And as middle schoolers tend to do when they're uh, you know, with each other is they, they goof off a bit. Uh, but they were goofing off as they were watching the changing of, of the guard. And, and as they were doing so, they caught the wrath of the eerily stoic guard. In fact, he, he quit back at me. He said, look, I didn't even know they were allowed to look at us. You see, Arlington National Cemetery is not the place to goof off. No, and it's not because it is a place where we are to focus and to remember and to respect what has taking place and what is currently taking place. You know, for a Hebrew, there is no word that demands more respect than than this word right here. This is the Hebrew for the word Yahweh. 
Yahweh is so sacred of a word that, that a Jew, when they were to see these letters, they would not, they wouldn't say it. No, they would immediately use a, a synonym such as Jehovah or Adonai. And it said even that, that as a scribe was, was writing uh, the, the word for Yahweh, he would wash his hands before he would put the, the pen to the paper or to the, the scroll. And, and there was nothing that was allowed to interrupt him once he started. Not even the king himself could come in and, and stop him from, from uh, writing this word. You know, for us, it's, it's hard to really comprehend the, the, the level of respect that God's people placed on this name. Can you imagine knowing this, how it must have went over after Jesus had healed the lame man and, and he said to these Jewish leaders, he says, look, my, my father is working until now and I am working See, not only did Jesus break their law by healing this man on the Sabbath, but now he claimed to be the very one whose name they could not mention. This is far worse than goofing off at the tomb of the unknown soldier. No, this is blasphemous. Unless what Jesus claimed was true. In our passage today, we're going to look at how Jesus responds and explains to the, the Sanhedrin, these religious leaders, how he and his father are, are one. And we're also going to see how this implicates, the implications for us Today, in 2020, knowing that Jesus is God. Our first point is that Jesus is one with God. Jesus is, is one with God. Let's read here John chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. We say that, so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel." Maybe you've heard this saying, you're a chip off the old block. You know, I've, I've definitely heard it. It's been referenced to me many times. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, people will say, well, you know, you, with the, the, you and your dad are, are very similar. And yeah, I mean, I, I get that. We, we're both in the same line of work and ministry. We both uh, have a similar physical characteristics. Uh, and usually, uh, recently, I'll be getting those comments after Dad and I will do our midweek live on Wednesday nights where we uh, chat through Zoom and people get to, to see and to hear us. And, uh, and, and look, I, I don't mind the association, but as similar as, as we are, 
There are many differences between my dad and, and me. You see, the father and son relationship between God and Jesus is very different than the human father and son relationship. See, the father and son relationship between God and Jesus means that, that Jesus does nothing apart from his father. They are in complete harmony. That's because Jesus is God. And I am not my father. You know, we, we live now in, in what would be called a, a pluralistic culture. And, and, and I've also noticed that it comes under the, the, the guise, under this uh, word of, of tolerance. Now, uh, tolerance for a, a Christian, for anyone, is, is, is a good thing based on the historical definition of, of the word. But it, I've noticed that it, the definition has, has changed in what is accepted in, in today's society. See, it used to mean that while, yes, we may disagree with someone in, in what they believe and, and what they value, we, we would affirm their right to believe it, whether that belief is right or, or wrong. You know, I was commenting to somebody just the other day at how that I, do, I believe that God's hand was on the founding of our country, whether or not the founders were, were Christians. I mean, the wisdom of those who, who drafted the Constitution was, was, am, was amazing. You know, I don't think that a document such as the Constitution could even be drafted in today's climate. But even as good as the founders may have, have been, you know, they realized that the Constitution needed to be stronger than what it was originally drafted. And so what they, they quickly added the first 10 amendments to it, known as, as the Bill of Rights. And in, in the first protection, in the first amendment of the Bill of Rights is this, that Congress shall make, oh, that's not it. It is that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of, of religion. Now, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Now, this is tolerance. This is why that Christians support the right of Muslims to practice their religion freely, or, or Jehovah Witnesses, or, or a Buddhist. Now, do I believe that the teachings of Muhammad and Joseph Smiths and, and Confucius are, are correct? Absolutely not. But I believe that these people have the right to worship, to live out their faith as they believe. And then the government should not be the ones to decide whether how one is to practice their religion or, or not. But the term tolerance now is, is shifted and changed to, to now that there's this requirement that, that not only do we believe that others have a right to practice their religion, but, but we must believe that their religion is true. Now, I think this is wrong in, in at least two ways. I mean, first is, is that if you agree, agree with someone, 
right? If you are in an agreement in, 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 with someone or in something, then, then you're not tolerating them or their beliefs. No, I mean, the definition of tolerance is something that is, is affirming something that you disagree with, all right? So it's affirming there that they have the right to believe that in, when we're in disagreement. So, I mean, if you agree with somebody, you're not tolerating them. No, you are in agreement. But secondly, I think logically this, uh, this uh, statement and this new definition of tolerance does not, uh, does not make, make sense. Interesting. Um, because if we are to affirm that all religions are true, then how do we reconcile the fact that almost all religions make exclusive claims? I tell you, they can't all be true. Now, they can all be wrong, but they can't all be true. You see, tolerance as applied today, what it is, it's just equally affirming, agreeing with all beliefs. And this is called pluralism. All right, and pluralism, it is, it is not tolerance. No, it is a completely new religion that is different than the other religions that they claim that we are to tolerate. And it's redefining the core teachings of Christianity, of Islam, Jehovah Witnesses to, to mean something different than what they, what they really believe. Now, you wouldn't think this is a, a big deal here in, in a small town like Maysville, but you would be amazed at how many conversations that I have had over the last bit of, with individuals and, and how they have explored different various religions and and to be honest, they found in their, in their study of them and that they're, uh, they're really not all that different. They're, on, they're very similar. And in part, this is true. I mean, there are similarities between different religions. But those similarities don't all get equal weight. All right, so, you know, I mean, I'm sure that you've heard this statement, right? That all religions lead to, to heaven. It's, it's just each one has a different path in, in how, they, how they get there. Now, that sounds very good. It sounds very affirming, very tolerant. But that is not what the Bible teaches. That's not what it teaches at all, no. No, one of the core beliefs of Christianity is this view that Jesus is God. Now, few people will deny that Jesus ever existed. Many will say, yes, he was a great teacher. Or many would say, man, he was an amazing guy. He did all kinds of miracles. Did you, you see how he turned that water into wine and, and he fed the 5,000 with just a couple of loaves of bread and fish? But they won't go so far to affirm that Jesus is God. No, it's this belief, it's this claim that Jesus made that got him killed. But to faithfully believe in Christianity, to believe in the tenets, the faith of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that you cannot believe the true God 
You cannot worship him. You cannot follow him if you deny that Jesus, his son, is God. And if Jesus is not God, then we are still dead in our sins. Friends, nothing else matters. But he is God. And we can rest confidently in this truth. So Jesus is one with God. He is God. Secondly, we see that Jesus gives life. Jesus gives life. Let's pick it up here in verse 21. We're going to go through 26 right here. And so it says, For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also will the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that, he, that all may honor the Son. And they honor him just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So we say truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. See, Jesus has the power to give life because Jesus owns life. See, you are not in control of your destiny. No, I mean, this is what the, the world teaches, right? You're your own man. You can be who you want to be. You can, uh, you know, make what you want to make and just, and just work harder, try better, and, and if you do so, you may, if you may, just end up earning your way into heaven. But look what Jesus says. He says here that it is the Son who gives life. Jesus gives life, and he gives eternal life. Because he has the authority over life. And just as Jesus healed the official's son who was on his deathbed and he called out to the lame man, pick up your mat and walk, Jesus has the same power to heal you of your sins. Look in verse 25, it says, right, truly, truly, I say to you that an hour is coming and is already here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. You know, the Bible teaches that we are dead in our sins. Look, dead people are not in control of their destiny. Dead people don't fix themselves. No, dead people are dead. But Jesus gives life. Have you trusted in Jesus? Do you hear his voice? Now, the voice we hear of Jesus usually isn't an, an audible expression. And, and to be honest, it's, 
It's hard to describe until you experience it yourself. It's one of those things that you just know. But when you hear the voice of Jesus, you need to respond. Don't hit the snooze button on it, Jesus. Don't send his call to voicemail. Don't delete the text message. No, respond to Jesus' voice in faith. You might be thinking, well, look, Adam, I don't, I don't really know. I don't think he's speaking to me. I don't really feel that way. And if that's you, that, that's okay. That's okay, because he is the one who gives life. We cannot force it. But you need to be open. You need to be listening for his, for his voice. You know, those that I encounter, you know, that have been drawn to different re religions, that's, you know, pluralism religion. You know, I try to encourage them. Uh, you know, to, to, you know, when I talk to them, I mean, the, the, the first thing you, you, you don't want to, um, to put them down, you don't say, look, man, how in the world can you believe something? I mean, do you not see how, how crazy this is? It, you know, that's not the way to win friends and to influence people. But no, I try to encourage them to keep exploring, particularly Christianity. You know, uh, now though I will ask them the question and it says, you know, if at some point you came to realize that Jesus is the Son of God, that the Bible is, is, is true, that Jesus is the only way to heaven, would you be open to that? Would you have an open mind? And typically people that are looking at this view of pluralism, that's one of the things, you know, we need to have an open mind and usually they'll accuse Christians of being closed-minded. And so you just kind of, you just say, hey, would you, would you have an, an open mind? And they may, you know, say, well, look, I, yeah, I mean, I, but to be honest, I just, it's going to be hard for me to ever believe. It's going to be, to be very definitive evidence to show that that is, is true. And, and if they do, look, don't press it and just say, hey, it's all right. Just, just be open to it. But most of the time, somebody would say, yeah, yeah, I'll keep an, an open mind. And, and regardless of how they respond, that question there is going to get them thinking. And that's a good thing. And I'll usually encourage them after, uh, kind of at the end, I'll say, look, anytime that you want to discuss, you know, faith, religion, any religion, particularly Christianity, please uh, get in touch with me. I love talking about this kind of stuff. To leave that line of communication open because Jesus is the one who gives life. And he does so in his own time. Right? Dead people aren't going to see things the way that, that those who have been called to salvation do. So, so we just need to keep praying, keep encouraging, keep, uh, you know, keep sharing with those who have yet to hear his voice. Uh, you know, I also, I want to... Uh, Offer an encouragement to, to parents 
right now. Whether you have young children, teenagers, or, or even those that have grown and moved, moved out. Because on this theme here, I, I've often been asked in, throughout my years of ministry, you know, this, look, my, you know, my child just doesn't want to come to church. You know, look, I mean, I just, I wish they liked it. Like, I, I wish they, they saw the importance and the need of coming, but they just, they resist it. And I, look, I don't want them to resent coming to church. I don't want them to resent me thinking that I'm making them. And, 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 and I'm afraid that if I do so, that honestly, I could do more harm than good. Look, it's a, it's a, a real issue. If you are a parent, you've probably encountered this at one point or another. Like, what do I do? And my encouragement is, is twofold. One is just, look, my heart breaks for you. It breaks for you as, as a minister of the gospel, but also as, as a parent who has, uh, you know, it dealt on a little level, but as our children grow, it's, it's going to come. But secondly is, uh, I would encourage you to bring them anyway, in spite of their resistance, maybe even their resentment. And the reason is, is, is this, is, you know, it's just even personally in my own life, looking back when I was a, a, a student, a young person, and I am so grateful now, I wasn't back then, but now, that my parents never put the decision on my plate. It allowed me to make this decision for myself whether or not I wanted to stay home from school because I, I didn't want to go. I mean, let's just face it, if, if that choice was left up to me, guess what I'm doing? I'm staying home sleeping in every day. But that wasn't an option. I got up and caught the bus and went to school. And now, as a parent decades later, you know what I do with my children? Is I make sure that they are in the school, and when we're in virtual school, we make sure that they are getting that education. Why? Because now, more so than then, I value education. And we know that even though children may not understand it, that it is for their own good. Likewise, and I think even more so, the same is true for the church. Because while knowledge is important to, to survival on earth, but our faith has eternal consequences. And just as that person is searching for Jesus, looking at different religions, and we don't know. We don't know when that child when that teenager, when that adult child is going to hear the voice of Jesus. So yes, they may resist. They may 
resent, but history is, 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 is littered throughout history and even uh, personally, I know many whom I, that were so resistant to the gospel, but suddenly it just clicked. Why? Is it because the message changed? Is it because, you know, um, they were just at a, a different point in their life and they're able to understand the truths of, of Scripture? No. It's because they were dead in their sins. And through hearing the voice of the Son of God, they have crossed over from death to life. Jesus is in the business of transforming hardened hearts. So please, keep on praying for the salvation of your children. Keep on encouraging uh, them and keep on bringing uh, them, even if it may not be what they want. And with adult children, it's a little harder. You can't force them to come, but... You can keep on inviting. You know, a broken record in this case is, is, is not, a bad, not a bad thing. So Jesus is one with God and Jesus gives life. And lastly, we see that Jesus will judge. Jesus will judge. Read here, verses 27 through, through 29. It says, and he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. See, God has given... Jesus the authority over life, but he has also given Jesus the authority to execute judgment. Jesus is the righteous judge. Now, remember in our study of, of John chapter 3 earlier when, when it says that for God has, did not send his son into the world, right, to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, whoever believes in him, right, is is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the Son, only Son of God. You know, I mentioned earlier, you know, Arlington National Cemetery. You know, there are rows and rows and rows of, of grave markers, acres upon acres of, of these headstones it's an amazing sight to see over 400,000 remains are buried on this sacred ground some of the bravest men and women that our country has ever known are laid to rest there I can only imagine how many times an officer stands at attention dressed in his formal uniform and, and brings the bugle up to his lips and plays the taps. How many times a 
loved ones are there weeping over the, the life lost of their, of their loved one. For it is great sadness and sorrow there in that moment when you hear those taps and when, when the body is lowered into that grave. Because there is nothing humanly possible to bring that person back to life. We can't bring our heroes back to, to life. No, no, we can't. But, but picture this. Picture what it would look like when Jesus returns. He comes from heaven and the trumpets are blaring and we start seeing body after body rise from the grave and ascend into heaven. Can you imagine what that sight must be? Because there is going to be a day when Jesus returns back as that righteous judge. And when he does, bodies are going to start from everywhere coming out of their graves. And those who go to heaven aren't going there because they were good people who did good in this world, or even heroes who defended our nation. No, no. Now, only those who believe in Jesus Christ, that He is the Son of God and have trusted in Him for their salvation, only those will ascend into heaven. And for those who reject Jesus, those who do not respond in, in faith, no matter, no matter how good or noble they will be, no, when the judge comes, when Jesus returns, they will be cast into hell for eternity. Jesus is one with God. And Jesus gives life. And Jesus, oh Jesus, will judge. Friends, our world is, is changing right now in, in ways that uh, we have really never experienced before, and it's doing so at a record pace. I mean, who could have predicted COVID-19 and the fact that we're still dealing with it almost a year later? I mean, we, we just had an election where, honestly, almost everybody was surprised. I mean, I never heard anyone saying, look, you know, it's going to be a close presidential race and, and with, with Joe Biden narrowly defeating Donald Trump, and the, but the Republicans would keep the Senate and make gains in, in the House of Representatives. And, you know, our, our government is divided. <laughs> but also our country is divided. We see that it is great division, and I believe that it goes far deeper than just politics and uh, our presidential candidates. You know, what's odd is that, that here in 2020, we are more connected now than we have ever been in history. We're exposed to different cultures, different uh, views, different thoughts, uh, more than than ever before. And one would 
think that would make what more connected would make us, you know, more, um, more together. But what we're seeing is that the more connected, the more access we have to each other and to other things is that, is that really we're, we're more divided. And our culture, look, our culture seems right now to be so different than it was even when I grew up just a couple of decades ago. And those of you older than me have experienced this even far more. <laughs> we have some great concerns for our nation. We need to pray. We need to pray for our government. We need to pray for our churches, for our communities. But it's easy to become cynical. It's easy to be like, look, I just don't think, you know, nothing can change. It is what it is, and we're just going to have to live with it. And you know what, we'll, we'll just... You know, it just hunker down and we'll just kind of live in our own tribe and just, you know what, just forget those other people because they're evil, they're bad, we don't want anything to do with them. And I don't think that's what God would want us to do. I don't think that's what the Bible teaches that we are called to do. But we are called to stand firm in our faith. Because Jesus is God. And Jesus gives life. And Jesus will judge. Pastor Adam again. Thank you for listening to this message. Do you feel God working in your heart? Is he calling you to be saved? Are you ready to follow Jesus? If so, we want to hear from you. Reach out to us on our website at cbcmaysville.com and click on that Connect tab or on our prayer hotline at 305-707-PRAY. That's 305-707-7729. We want to connect with you and to send you some free resources to help you to know what it looks like to follow Jesus. And I would love to hear your feedback on our sermon podcast. You can email me personally at adam at adamburton.net. Don't forget both our online church service at cbcmaysville.com and on Facebook, as well as our in-person service every Sunday at 1045. I'll be there and I hope you are too. I look forward to joining you again next week for Central Baptist Church's sermon podcast. God bless. God bless.